Hi, and welcome to this Property Life podcast. My name is Caroline Clayden, and I'm a property investor who, in the spare time, helps other budding investors reach their goals. We're part of a collective of property investors called Property Wealth System, and we are keen to help you reach your goals and assist you in sharing our knowledge and experience in any way we can. This week, I have the pleasure of speaking with Gary Wales, who has been a budding property investor for many years now and has just set up and launched his own uh, property estate agency. It is going really, really well. And this week, I'm going to speak to him about how can you as a property investor get the best out of working with an estate agent when their aim is to reach the highest possible price for their clients and you are trying to get the best possible bottom rate price. So listen out for the top tips from Gary. I'm sure you're really going to enjoy this one. Hi Gary, good to see you. Hi Carly, how are you? Yeah, well, good. Well, I'm excited to talk to you today because we're looking at things with a very different angle, aren't we? We're always normally talking about from the investor's point of view, but today we're going to look at things slightly differently because you've got two hats on. Um, you've got your estate agency business and you are an investor. So interestingly, it normally is an estate agent who then moves into becoming an investor, but you've gone the other way. You've gone investor into estate agency. So how did that all come about and why did you do it? Uh, well, I guess taking it a step before actually becoming an investor, I was in fact in the industry as an estate agent. So um, it was it was, it was was similar, you know, it was something I knew pretty well and uh, obviously got into the investing side of it, you know, Got, got out there and started investing stuff and thought, you know, ideally I wanted to get away from my job. But long story short is I've actually still got a good interest in the, the, in, the industry itself and realised it's a, another good, um, valuable source of income. So, yeah, it all came about through that, really. So now back sort of doing what I know and, uh, yeah, creating my own business, really. Brilliant. So that's your active income stream that you're then putting pu- pumping into your investments for the passive. So that's a brilliant business model for, for you. So your estate agent is going really well. I love the marketing estate, really clean, smart, high end, lovely. Um, how on earth does an investor get an estate agent on site without bribing them, obviously? Because you guys as the estate agent want the highest price investor wants the lowest price so how what advice would you give to investors out there on how to get the best out of it well i mean again it'll always depend on what you're actually trying to achieve and what what type of asset you're trying to acquire but i think ultimately you need to always be involved with the estate agent there's no sense in kind of sparking up an initial relationship and then it cooling off i think you need to always be almost just like your offers, you need to be following up. That relationship needs nurture. There's no point in going and meeting someone at a meet, you know, at a viewing or a couple of going in and, and a walk in and having a chat with someone and then not really sort of nurturing it. So I think mm. you'll always you'll always get time from agents if you're going in a, about it in the right angle. You know, if you're just coming in, you know, making a, a 
cold call and almost upsetting an agent. I think you've got to do different angles to, to nurture relationships. The market sentiment's different now, so it is a good time for investors to be looking at, you know, working on their, their skill set of sort of nurturing relationships, certainly. Um, again, it will depend on what you're actually after, and yeah, agents do want the top dollar. However, even if we go into our hyper sort of local market just now, Caroline, where me and you live um, in Edinburgh, there's a lot of there's a lot of sales dependent on chains now rather than mm-hmm. oh, in past it was all about you know positions and stuff like that and I think that's coming you know to some degree that's where an investor's got you know over over other type buyers where they're subject to sale and subject to this and if you can go in there with a sort of clean offer I don't think um, agents can be as arrogant nowadays. And I think they need to think things through a bit more. So it's definitely a good time to build those relationships. That's what I would say. Brilliant. Okay, so I guess one of the biggest fears new investors have is putting in those cheeky offers, right? They're so worried about an estate agent being insulted, not taking them seriously or being annoyed at them putting in a low, a low ball offer. How well have you? Number one, has anyone ever lowballed you as an estate agent? <laughs> you, yeah, you get you get lowball offers, and you know I've certainly had had done more than enough myself to get <laughs> what you kind of got with their own portfolio. So, um, and I can feel how new investors feel. Certainly, it's still uncomfortable to this day, um, mm-hmm. even you know offering on commercial stuff. So, I can totally empathize with that side of it and yes i have had it as an agent as well but maybe maybe a good way to look at it is could not only looking at it like you're about to upset someone but you could almost be saying well this could also help build a case for the agent so Mm -hmm. something's not moving something's not sold already why is it not sold you know why is it not sold at top price because clearly the whole of the market doesn't think it's worth that. Yeah. So can we go in with a strategy to, you know, and mentally think, well, if I, if I present this offer, the agent has to go and tell his, his, his client about that. So it actually might help him because the expectations all of a sudden of the, the seller might come down a little bit. So that's, that's the way I, I kind of see it in that way. You know, if I've got something that doesn't, it sits there too long and the market doesn't see it at its value. If I get another, if I get an offer in, you know, I kind of feel obliged to tell it to the, to the client and all of a sudden these crazy expectations might come down a little bit. Oh, so, so it helps the agent. Psychologically, a, a bit that can maybe help investors think, well, look, I'm saying this and if you can, play, and if you can articulate it in a way to the agent that hopefully it helps you, you know, tell the client about where the market is at the moment, it might help everyone progress. Brilliant. Okay, I hadn't thought about it in that way because in my head, I always thought I you have to explain yourself to the agent on why you're putting an offer that, at that level. Yes. But in actual fact, it could be helping the agent manage the, the vendor's expectations. I think, I think, I think the thing is, you, you know, agents have heard, you know, that same story, the reasons why the offer comes in low. They know that everyone's going to say it needs a new kitchen, it needs this, they need that. They've seen it with their own eyes, you know. They've, they've been out of the property, they know that. And that's that's one thing, you can explain that and reiterate that, that's fine. 
But I just think it might be a good opportunity to go in at a different angle and be seen as not such a bad type of investor or a, you know, a, mm. a, it's, it's a different angle and it might just be something. And then, again, you're trying to have a sort of some foresight on the actual relationship with the agent as well. So if you can go in that way, I think it's less, you know, aggressive in, in, a, in a way. And I, I personally think I, you get more success like that. There we go. Okay. So... If, let's say, it's the very first time you've met a potential purchaser, um, would you be looking, well, what would you be looking for from them so that you then take their offer seriously, even if it's going to be below par? Yeah, I mean, I've probably got a bit of a unfair advantage on this because I, I can yeah. see it. Yeah, I've got two hats on it, but I think your, your, your average sort of estate agent has probably never invested themselves. Yeah. Be, you, 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 there is an opportunity, certainly with the education side of it, and what what you know what what you guys you know teach. It's definitely you probably got one over the agent and you know telling them reasons and things like that. But and an experienced one for myself, I think I would obviously sort of call call the bluff a little bit, you know, in that sense where it's like right, what was was your proof of funds and. It, you know, allow me to build up a bigger case for you. That's mm -hmm. how I would do it. But then that's obviously to kind of cut out the the, the the people that are not less serious to the people that are serious. You know, if if you've if you've done your due diligence, you've got your numbers, you've got your proof of funds. I think I would be happy to work with somebody like that, and then that allows me to move on with my case and put you know put the case forward to my my client, so to speak. But you. I think not to not to beat down the industry so much, but you'll be quite surprised that not every estate agent's you know got huge business investor acumen. So there there is opportunities there to kind of educate them more so than yeah. them educating you. So I wouldn't run fearful of every agent, you know. That's if you good. know if you know your numbers and you know the reasons why you're putting that in, and then like I said, put it in a different sort of angle to, to the agent. I think I think there's nothing to be fearful from. So it's very interesting that you said proof of funds there because that's often a panic button for new investors who are starting out. They're going and viewing, they're running their numbers, they've got an offer that they want to make and the agent says, let me see your proof of funds. And then we get a panicked message going, oh, my God, an agent's asked me for proof of funds. What do I do? What do I do? You've told me that I have to say that I'm a cash buyer and I'm not a cash buyer and I'm going to use an angel investor and ah, freak out, freak out, freak out. Yeah. <laughs> what type of proof of funds have you seen over the piece? What would you be satisfied with? Well, I mean, just, again, it'll all be dependent on what the sort of how, how you're looking to do the acquisition, but it could be if you've got you know any kind of angel investing or any actual funding there, just it just has to be sort of an, an account that that I believe to be in your in your name, you know. Um, okay. You've got to you've got to sort of appreciate the the, the anti money laundering side of uh, the purchase as well. So most well every agent will have that AML check there um, mm -hmm. before they can. Uh, push the button or certainly put, put a soul sticker on anything. So I, I, from my point of view, whoever is going to be the the, the, the purchaser, um, 
as the as the accounts there in that in that in that account, and then yeah, that's about as much due diligence as we can do before it then goes to conveyancing. What about if someone has a letter from, let's say, a bridging company saying we have approved this person for bridging up to X amount of money? Would that be satisfactory for you? Yeah, I mean that that's probably that that from a again from a agent's point of view to then assuming that would be an acceptable offer to then go from the soliciting side, uh, sorry, the, the estate agency side to the soliciting side, that's probably deemed acceptable as long as you kind of, I think probably the due diligence on if it's done in sort of limited company, so to speak, mm. I think mm -hmm. that's where the conveyance and, you know, the solicitor really sort of digs in a bit more further. But yeah, from an agent's point of view, that's, that's more than enough. That's more than enough. Okay, so having physical money in the bank account isn't necessarily essential as long as you've got access to the funds and you can prove yeah, that. I think, I think obviously, if that's there, it's almost like it's almost like what's on the, the top of the, the tier. You know, the ideal situation for the, the agent is, yeah, the, the, the cash is in the account of the person that's going to buy it. But then, you know, slower... The further down we go, it might well be right. They've got proof of funds from the lender. They've got proof of funds from you know gifted stuff. It just depends. But the ideal situation situation is it's sitting in an account you know of the the buyer. But we know that's not always the case. You yeah. can get those um, proof of proof of uh, lending letters uh, from brokers and and, and you know, such like. So yeah. I wouldn't, okay. I wouldn't be too caught up on And like you said, I know when you're starting out, you can get really flustered on that and it's, you have a total meltdown and think, yeah. I've actually not got 100 grand in my pocket right now. And it's like, <laughs> all right, we're not needing it right now, but how can you supply that? So if you yeah. can get all your ducks in a row before you can, uh, or, or even know that this is the type of questions that you're going to be asked, um, yeah. just have all your ducks in a row before that conversation's had. Okay, and conveyancing, which kind of leads on to, I guess, the, the money side of things, how long are you seeing conveyancing take on a, on a purchase at the moment? At the time of recording, May 2023, how long are you seeing conveyancing take roughly? In our market, it's about eight weeks. Eight weeks, yeah. So if but someone can... Again, it'll be down to who you're using, um, mm -hmm. I know we've, we've got good solicitors that we both use. Uh, I'd probably say they can bring it down to maybe six weeks, but just there is a ba general backlog still, uh, mm. and I'm sure it's probably throughout the country still a yeah. backlog. But in, in Edinburgh at the moment, it's, it's, I'm, I'm quoting roughly eight weeks. Eight weeks, yeah, that's what I'm seeing. But you often hear people saying, you know, I'm a cash buyer, I can get this done in three weeks. Is that realistic? Well, I've only had one go through recently on four weeks, and it was just, it'll, it'll always depend on the complexities within the actual title deeds itself. Mm. That's what every solicitor will say. It's like, it depends how simple the deeds are or not, or how many people are going on the deeds, for example. But I have seen one being pushed through at four weeks, but I would never go out as an agent and quote that as a time frame. But yeah. if you if you get, if you hear it from your own solicitor, the quickest turnaround time then and it is quicker than the norm then you need to leverage that when you're putting that offer in definitely yeah. if you if you if you've got a quality solicitor there that's telling you 
if you've got your lending there and they know that they can see that the, the title, they've done a title search, they know the complexities, they reckon that they can do it quicker, then you definitely emphasize that you can do it quicker because that you need to leverage everything you can, right? Lovely. Okay, so speed could play, adva- uh, play an advantage. The fact that you're not in a chain can play to your advantage. The fact that you're helping the agent put a case to the vendor to manage expectation works to your advantage. What else could work to your advantage um, when working with a, an agent that would help? Well, I, I think they can help you with your, I mean, you can, they can probably help you with your strategy, you know, because they might have access to things that you don't have access to. You know, yeah. for, uh, sales archives, for example, I can see things that people can't see in public for another, you know, three to five months. So again, it depending on if, is it the latest comparable they can maybe give you help with, you know? So again, that relationship thing, you know, if you're, if you're doing flips, can they be the agent of choice that does the, the listing for you? Mm-hmm. You need to just plant all these seeds. You need to nurture that relationship, you know? And you need to make them aware that you're looking for a two-way relationship. You're not just saying, can you help me with this, this, this? You would like to say, well, what stage are you, you know, giving back? And if it's a flip, are they get surely they're getting the listing? And then, mm-hmm. you know, all of a sudden you've got something to work with. Love it. Okay, so if you were to have a magic wand and paint or create your ideal buyer, what would that buyer look like, feel like, taste like, have in their armory? Obviously, most first-time buyers tend to not done everything properly. So the advice, you know, given in the early stages to first-time buyers is, I'm looking for ideally someone to come and know everything that they have to do. An agent wants, naturally an agent wants an easy transaction. So they want to just say, right, there's a buyer. They've given me, you know, their situation. They've got their mortgage in principle or whatever it is. And they've got the proof of funding there. And then you just get a sale over the line. But often, you know, first time buyers and stuff, they've maybe forgotten something or they don't know about the, you know, the LBTT and, there's, there's, there's sometimes you just kind of think, oh, they've not quite been taught that part, or you know. Yeah. Uh, so for me, it, it almost becomes part of your role as an estate agent. You know, it's almost like part of your uh, qualifying process. Is like you have to uh, turn into some sort of <laughs> financial advisor or you know, <laughs> direct people to certain people because you're just wanting to get everything over in the right format. You don't want to be saying, you know, six weeks down the line, all of a sudden the the buyer doesn't, you know, it's forgot something and then all yeah. of a sudden we're, we're all uh, standing still. But I don't know, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. Obviously, the agent head is like, the cl- you're representing a client, so yeah. you're looking for a top-end sale. Of course you are. You want to exceed the client's expectations. But looking at it from an investor point of view, you know, you, you've just got to, like right now at the moment, you know, in Edinburgh, as I said, there's there's a lot of people not really wanting to purchase or they want to purchase, but they do have something to sell. So that that might be even from an, uh, an investor's point of view. Can you, can you, you know, I know you might look, be looking at buy-to-lets, but could you be looking at a flip process? Because then you can be buying stuff that's going to second-time buyers. 
and, yeah. and it's a different strategy, I know, but it might allow you to get some progress in a different market. So it really just depends on what, 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 what the persons, the investors are thinking at the time. But I have kind of came to, certainly been in the inside of the market just now. First-time buyers, um, if you're up against first-time buyers, that's probably still going to be your number one challenge, isn't it? Um, yeah. Because the numbers the numbers that you want to offer versus what first-time buyers will pay. Uh, there's still a bit of a difference there. But if you maybe looked at flipping what might be a second-time buyer-type okay. property, I think there's opportunities there because a lot of people want to buy those, but they're subject to sales. So someone that has that comes in that doesn't have any chain, I, I see them as quite favourable. So it might be yeah. an opportunity for that. Okay. All right. So what if um, a client who wants to sell their property came your way and it was an absolute stinker, right? Because I'm assuming your dream client would have a really well-presented property in a great location. It's all nicely decorated and staged and looking fab because you're thinking this is going to be easy to sell, right? But someone comes along with a howler. It stinks of smoke. It's got fleas in the carpets. It's absolutely howling. What are you thinking with your estate agent's hat on at that moment? I mean, my estate agent's hat on is you're, you're probably not wanting that type of stock to be public. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where you do look at your books, your black book of who's been looking for that, you know, who's... Yeah who's desperate for that, you know. Initially, if that property comes over, across his my, my path, then I'll, I will quickly have the expectations of the seller, you know, down it. down it. Yeah, just manage because I, 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 from the investor point of view, I, I genuinely think, you know, that's, that's, that's the only type of buy that's going to be. You won't get a real owner-occupier looking for that type of thing, generally. Unless it's a bigger house, but the first-time buyer stuff and flats and such like, yeah, no, I, I would I quickly sort of lower the expectations of the the, the seller, and then yeah, I would, I would dive into a little bit book of people who have genuinely been in contact and genuinely shown interest, and generally who I can see doing business with, you know, because it might well be that they want to just you know, like, as I said earlier, like fix it up and put it back on the market, and then all of a sudden the agent's happy to list something that's new and shiny. Yeah, so I had never thought about ever the uh, angle of an estate agent not wanting to list a smelly property with their branding. It might not be the image necessarily that they want. So, of course, your your estate agent's image is very clean, high-end, smart. Uh, you are going for a higher caliber of client and buyer. So, right enough, a stinky little ex-council flat that needs refurb you're probably not wanting to put your brand to that so selling that off market to somebody you know in your books is probably more attractive for yeah. you so there we go yeah. that's another massive reason why all of our listeners who are investors should be building relationships telling the estate agent very clearly what they're looking for um so that they can be called upon when a stinker comes through the door but that's it. That's it. I mean, and and again, nurturing that relationship to and almost making it clear that there's there's a reason for this relationship. It's not like 
just give me your property. It's like, no, I'll give you this back. And just overemphasize that and keep, keep in touch, even if there's nothing to ch chat about, you know? Um, yeah. I know, you know, when we were sort of starting out, it was one of them where you drop in the donuts to the estate agents <laughs> and all that stuff. It's, that's maybe, maybe you don't need to do that stuff, but definitely be on the blur to them. Definitely surprise them now and again. Maybe you just you don't even need to be asking for anything. Maybe you're just sort of dropping in, and all of a sudden the perception of the agent is like you know they're actually nice people type thing, rather than it's about you know take take take. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a people business, and I think you know Absolutely. people who are get, getting into this at the beginning. They're maybe a little intimidated, like you say about the estate agent being the the, the gatekeeper for the deals, but actually they are fundamentally in a job most of them, right, and don't have that business or investor acumen like you mentioned. Um, so there is a, there's definitely something to, to be less fearful of the big bad estate agent. Um, yeah, and in most cases, I mean, not all agents, but most cases that there's usually a commission-based model. So, uh, you know, if that property's sticking, you know, it's, it's minute them selling it at over the home report versus selling it below the, the value. Yeah. It's very little off of their commission. They'd rather just get commission. So yeah. that's, 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 that's me looking at it from, you know, the investor side, you know, it's like, that's, that's the way you need to look at it. Play, yeah, play the game and play for what the estate agent wants, which is a good turnover, fresh stock coming on board and getting rid of. Because obviously, if there's sold signs everywhere with your name on it, then your reputation in that area suddenly goes through the roof uh, as an estate agent and more stock then comes your way. So it, it is that nice uh, cycle of, of new, new stock coming your way. Well, this has been fascinating. Any last little words of advice to our investors who are out there that might be a little apprehensive about walking into an estate agent for the very first time? Um, what advice, uh, little golden nuggets would you give them to, to finish with, if there's anything? I mean, you, you've touched on it earlier. It's like anything, every business, investing as well, it's, it's, a, people, it's a people business. I would never... What's the worst that can actually happen? Like you stutter, you say something wrong. You know what? It's like once you've done something once or twice or three times, it's it's fine, isn't it? It's just like it's just that first time. But I've been there. I know exactly what it's like. I see people doing it. You know, it's not every not every agent's you know mean and angry and you know that's just a perception of you know coming in and you know trying to upset an agent it's not it's not the case as i said I, I think there's a good angle by going around it in another way rather than just coming in with low ball offers you know of course you're going to have to give low ball offers at some stage you know other, otherwise you're not really investing but yeah. i think there's there's merit in building up the relationship as uh, at the same time brilliant love it well thank you so much for sharing your dual personality Split personality, Gary Wales. There we are, investor and, well, you're more of a business owner rather than a state agent, but I love the fact that you're making you know, money in the property industry that you can then put into your portfolio, which is a really sound way of structuring your business. Thanks for your time, Gary. See you again soon. Appreciate it. Thanks, Caroline. 
some fantastic insights there from Gary and it's always a pleasure speaking with him. He has an incredible mindset and as an individual from an elite sporting background, he has taken lots of the transferable skills he used in his professional football career and put that into his investing and his business world. Um, you can connect with Gary. He is part of our network at Property Wealth System and uh, you can join us on our Facebook community page, Property Wealth System community page on Facebook. And join us again next week for some more fantastic content. And of course, always reach out to us in any way possible. My name is Caroline. You can find me on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. And I look forward to sharing more content with you again soon. Have a great week. Thank you.